Hey everyone, this is How Movies Get Made, featuring the incomparable Matthew Martyr, multi-talented filmmaker. Uh, I say it from my own heart, I've gotten the pleasure to work with him. We start off talking about filming genre stories on a budget. Then we dive into how producing on the side can facilitate your own creative projects. And lastly, getting stunts experience on set. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Very grateful to have you. I know you've been writing a lot and working on productions that are supposed to be kicking back up as soon as all this coronavirus stuff is calmed down. Uh, you know, I just wanted to have you on today because you've been working on some very interesting projects before the hiatus. Your latest project is called Shifter. Do you want to tell us about that? That series is about a secret agent who becomes genetically modified and is basically used to fit in around the world, depending on what mission she's sent to or what country she goes to. Uh, so it's really a story about identity, uh, identity struggle, loss, confusion about who people are in this day and age. You've crafted a series that is a lot of work. What compelled you to spend this much time on this kind of project? Totally, yeah, I, I mean, I think the independent uh, sphere right now is ripe for development. Um, there's a lot of rental companies where obviously you need X amount of funds, but if you have that or you can get those funds raised, you can go out and make a movie these days. It could be a short, could be a feature. Um, and I think I started getting interested in the short landscape because a lot of stories I wanted to tell weren't necessarily being fully told. Um, like I've always loved the spy genre and I kind of wanted to put my own spin on it. Um, you know, I think shows like Watchmen are really interesting and, and the John Wick Atomic Blonde series have, I've kind of exploded this cool visual landscape of, of the genre. And I guess I wanted to play with that within the context of real events and real things happening around the world. You know, what do we expect out of a spy genre? Can we see a protagonist who is in a dilemma or a moral quandary with that mission rather than just accepting the mission on the onset? I'm certainly glad you made it. Uh, you've made a lot of other projects though. You know, how have you balanced freelance producing kind of with, these more creative efforts on your own, you know, producing, as we've talked about in some other episodes of this show, is a very wide, big term, you know, because what it means to make a movie these days can be a lot of different things. Uh, but you have taken on that role of like actually managing the productions and working with the director closely to make sure their vision is created, even when you're not the director and producer and writer, you know. What, what's been that balance like for you? What have you learned from those experiences versus the others? Talk to me about that. Totally. I mean, it's, it's really a complicated question. Um, Whoops. I think, <laughs> I think the, the first element to try to dissect is the nature of the story itself. Um, whether I'm a writer, a producer, a director on the project, because um, at this point I've co-directed, co-produced, and co-written projects. So I, I think there's always a great balance of working with people to be had. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always about facilitating what's the story and the vision. Um, I think anyone on the principal team, whether it's the cinematographer, the production designer, someone on the sound team, mm -hmm. could have implemental or crucial information, uh, which changes how you shoot something or changes your outset of the POV perspective of a scene. And I do think it all stems from character and vision. Like, if you're able to tell, if I'm able to tell you in one line or two lines what my piece is about, I think I've gotten to a place where I know what I want to convey. Now it's about execution. So to me, that's step one, the expression and ability to convey what you want to express and be sure you know what you want to express. And obviously there's interpretation and you don't have to be 
precise about everything. Right. Everyone's going to have a different style and approach to that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think on, on that production front, that's where the, the step two really comes in is, okay, how do you execute? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this comes in all ways. It's like, what are you going to sacrifice? Is there a story beat that actually is not feasible production wise for your budget mm-hmm. or does it make sense? Is it taking away from your story because it's too much of a set piece mm-hmm. or there's too much action happening instead of focusing on the story beat? Yeah, it's interesting because you brought up John Wick as a reference, but that's a $20 million budget movie. I think there's a spy show that's right for development that feels much more down to earth and gritty and real than these $100 million special effects. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but there's just a place for this other type of spy story where, yeah, someone could end up on the boat in the middle of Los Angeles and it seems like a totally normal sunny day. Right. There's a lot of mischief at play here. Um, and to me, I think I'm always interested in that fusion of what does independent cinema look like with still the same gritty, high stake stories, but not necessarily um, showing out the millions of dollars at this stage. Mm-hmm. And brass tacks though, like how did you accomplish the production value that you attained on the Shifter series, you know, with a much more limited budget and you're still doing stunts, you're still doing all these things, you know, what are some of the steps you took physically to, to make that happen? Well, I, I'd, I'd say several things, honestly. Um, I'm not working under the same union constraints, which just right. full hand to see, right? Like Non-union. I'd have yep. a stunt coordinator a thousand dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Every day that person is on set. Right. Um, whether he or she is worth that money is different too, because we're constrained by a budget. So that's the first thing, that, first thing I'd say. We got favors in the crew and cast department people who could or should be getting paid 450 a day by union standards mm-hmm. worked for much less. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I'm there for those people too. And that's the network that we've created this collective where we can hop right. on each other's sets and depend on each other for these lower budget projects. Right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is obviously I'm not paying um, millions of dollars to the talent yet. Mm-hmm. I don't have the A-list talent where a lot of that budget is actually drawn to. Keanu is expensive. Keanu is expensive. He's a great actor. I'd love to have him. I can't afford him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless Keanu, check out Shifter. Let me know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keanu, if you're watching. Keanu, please let me know, man. I'm waiting. Uh, I, I, I've loved Bill and Ted forever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to me also, yeah, it's just favors across the board. It's who do we know that, I mean, ultimately has a cool location who, who, who we can talk to. I, I mean, for a while, as you know, I, I didn't think about shooting on the marina, and then we, we magically stumbled across someone who, who had a boat at the marina. Uh, we stumbled across a couple of people who had boats at the marina, actually. This is true. Two very nice souls who own different boats. Yep, salty um, souls. <laughs> that's right. And, and basically, you know, without those boats, on episode three is uh, pretty much lacking its entire story. So lots wow. of times on the independent level, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm willing to construct scenarios Mm-hmm. Do the confidence of our team, my team, whoever's team, based around that team and knowing that we can make it work based on our budget. Mm-hmm. So in a scenario like that, the marina and the boats actually didn't cost us much at all because we were working with people who could make it happen. Yeah, it's essential. And speaking of that team, you know, John Wick, I was reading ha- as a reference film for Shifter too. You know, I, I wanted to look into it and and it seems like they had the same crew, the same team really across the franchise so far the same directors brought back the same crews to work with them you know 
we don't necessarily have that luxury in the independent sphere as much. So, you know, how did you work with kind of a more inconsistent set of crew across the different episodes and different days of filming and all that sort of stuff? Well, I mean, fortunately in, in a case like Schefter, it, it really is supposed to be showing different missions in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to cheat those locations is one thing. Um, having different crew honestly helps too. Hmm. Especially from a visual lens, uh, the DP lens, the art lens. I can have different perspectives hopping on different elements of either cultural location element or literally just the visual landscape of how we want to present violence this week on Shifter or how we want to present right. conflict three people, whether it's geopolitical or just economic or social. Um, so your story and, allows for it in a way. Story allows for it. Uh-huh. And two, I think it also harkens back to what we were talking about earlier, where people are aligned on the same vision. You know, you there's so many talented people out there now. Like mm-hmm. I, I've, I've worked with so many competent people on set that gets to a point where as long as people understand the vision, you know, I'm ready to pull 10 different people on as a cinematographer and know that I would get a great quality product. Don't be afraid of working on a set, even if it's just for a day, especially if it's a set you don't want to be on. Mm-hmm. You never know who, you, who you're going to meet. It could end up being someone you're going to work together. Um, even if it's the worst experience in the world, I tend to think, this is maybe a little masochistic of me, but I tend to think the worst experiences are the best experiences. Mm. Because at times you just learn the most. They stick with you. You learn what you don't want to do in the future and maybe what you do want to do in the future. Right. Uh, So yeah, I would just encourage being open. Don't be afraid of working on a random set, even if it's something you don't want to do. You talked about stunt coordinators. Tell me a little more about the stunt process that was involved in Shifter and how you learned more so about it through other production experiences and how that collaboration went. Yeah, I I mean, probably about two years ago, I started freelance producing a lot for people because it was a good side source of revenue and a great source of exposure to other great artists and great experience. At this point, I've just gotten like a good range of experience from working with animals on set, whether that's a dog to you know, a dog has to be fearful of a human or a dog has to catch a ball. Or I've worked on sets at this point where we have to construct like a jail cell, a prison cell. Um, I'm about to shoot a Western here once Corona lists. And that's a whole nother load of parameters in terms of firing weapons and safety precautions and glass shields. So it's gone to a point where like, I've tried to get my feet in the water of every kind of production. Um, we, we shot on the beach too, uh, where, where we just learn different elements or what different scenes are going to require. Right. So stunts is no different. It's it's certainly complicated. You have to come prepped. You know, just I've I've never worked in dancing, but I'm sure something like La La Land is similar, where you just have to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. It's really about the family bonding, because because you're doing something that can really hurt and risk people's uh, bones. Yeah. <laughs> so really being able to have that trust and knowing that what we're doing is professional is a big element of it. So hiring proper stunt coordinators. We've been on many features. Right important part of the process um, trusting in them but knowing our our own vision and, and what I really wanted out of a scene um, was really a delicate balance because you know at times I'm talking to people who are like three times my age essentially and had three times my experience mm. and being able to facilitate what's the best calibration of fit to what we're saying and when he or she needs to guide the set letting them go and then when it's time to pull back when do I hop in Right, because they might have a specific vision for how the choreography should work, but it might not fit within the context of the staging that needs to happen for the scene at large or something, right? They have like a, 
a micro department vision. Totally, totally. Or at times it does just come down to aesthetics. Like mm. someone wants to throw a haymaker and someone else is just down for like a quick jab to the throat. And you know, these are just different, these are different things that have to be discussed on set. Absolutely. Did you, uh, did you wrestle or box or anything when you were growing up? Oh, I have some background, yeah, in wrestling and boxing. I'm, I'm certainly not a black belt or a <laughs> pro in any department. Um, so I, I'm often humbled every time I step into a stunt set. I like to, you know, I, I, I like to get in on the action, but once you see a, a real pro, you, you are constantly humbled. Right, right. Well, yeah. I'm glad at least for now I have a little bit of distance from you. <laughs> but I'll, I'll look forward to working again with you very soon. And uh, thank you for taking the time. This has been How Movies Get Made. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>